we've raised like 30 million quid through crowdfunding, which is quite extraordinary. It's very hard for a CMO of a startup to sit in front of a board and have that conversation. Oh, I don't know if I should publish the numbers, but we've had uh, we've had two two incredible growth months this year so far. Within an hour and a half, we have 500 votes. My guest today is Alex Latham, who is the co-founder and CMO of Chip. Chip is a free app that builds your savings automatically and fights to bring you amazing rates. On the show, Alex goes into detail explaining how Chip have managed to bring in over 30 million in crowdfunding alone. We talk about building and engaging with both investor communities and also your user community. Alex also tells me how Chip have been able to grow the business by over 500%, which at the same time allowed them to more than triple the size of the team. I'm your host, Mark McDonough, and this is the UKTN Podcast. Our sponsors of the show, Uncapped, believe it's crazy that for e-commerce businesses to fund growth through marketing, infantry or hiring, they have to sell equity to VCs, especially when they know they'll make that money back right away. Uncap solved that problem. Already helping over 500 businesses worldwide, they offer up to 5 million of capital for a flat fee. You pay back only as you generate sales, no dilution or loss of control. Founders simply apply online, receive a decision within 24 hours and make monthly repayments that flex with your revenue. Head to weareuncapped.com forward slash UKTN to find out more. And to avail of a 10% discount off your fees, use the code UKTN10. That's UKTN10. Now let's get into the show. Thanks for coming on the show. I, I thought it would be, be great to have you on because last time we sat down and did an interview was back in February in 2019 when I was with the Startup Fund. Yeah, yeah long, long time ago. Long time ago. The world has changed since then, Christ. So, yeah, yeah, lots of things have changed with, with me, they changed with you, and I thought it'd be a good idea to have you on the show because I wanted to talk about uh, funding and growth, uh, and obviously you being the CMO of CHIP, um, mm-hmm. just thought it'd be great to, to talk to you about that. Um, you have, in my eyes, I, I think I should be probably introducing you nearly here now as the, the crowdfunding king, or at least CHIP is the crowdfunding king. You've, you've done so much though yeah i think yeah we, we have i think i think yes it's very very kind i'm not sure i'd agree with that but uh but no we've we've always had really good success with crowdfunding um i think we've done six crowdfunds now um and we've raised like 30 million quid through crowdfunding which is quite extraordinary um and yeah i think like as much as i would love to take credit for it i think fintech is obviously a very hot space but at the same time chip has had some amazing successes crowdfunding and i think yeah i think um it is the right sort of business to do that and i think we've also got a great team um doing crowdfund so yeah but thank you yeah i'll take it why not add it to linkedin crowdfund king well well, (laughs) i'm giving it you might as well take it um but let's i want to talk about the the last three uh crowdfunding rounds you did so i want to go back to april of 2020 when you raised 2.5 million um, that would have been at the very start of lockdown. So yeah. was there, there's obviously a, a number of uh, months of planning um, pre-crowdfunding uh, stages. So was there any doubt in your mind that it was that it was going to work that close to lockdown? Did you think of pulling it or was it, no, we need to go ahead because obviously we need the money as well because you need the bit of security going into lockdown? Yeah, that's a good question. So that, crowdfund was actually in response to lockdown um so i think i think so for us 
literally, uh, I'll, I'll be very transparent and honest with the train of thought there, that we were going into pandemic. Um, we're all in lockdown. We obviously are a startup that needs funding. Um, and we were like, shit, what, what does this mean for chip? Like there are businesses all around us suddenly doing drastic things like cutting half the workforce and stuff like that. And luckily we didn't need to do any of that stuff. But at the same time, we were, we were realists that, okay, we know that we're going into a pandemic. We've already seen the kind of the, the crashes in the world markets. And we're like, we need to make sure we have a good funding hand in front of us. Um, and we, 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 we still have money, we weren't running our money, but we, we were very honest with ourselves in saying, ask kind of a, a board of directors that, listen, we need to put ourselves in the best position possible right now. Um, there's no point waiting. We need to put ourselves in, we, we didn't know what was going to, no one knew what was going to happen, but we didn't know what was going to happen like two weeks down the line, let alone six months down the line. Who, who would have known where the world was going to be six months down the line? So we took the decision very early on in the pandemic to go, we have a very supportive um, a network of, uh, of of crowd investors. I think we had seventeen thousand crowd investors at the time, and um, and they love Chip. They love what we do. They supported our mission to date. So let's go and have that honest conversation with them. And we did. And and we said to them, "Listen, we're about to go through the pandemic. We think that Chip holds a good place as a um, as a savings app to really help people through the pandemic and and grow through the pandemic and keep growing as a digital business that helps people save." Um, but we, we want, we want you to invest as we go into the pandemic to give chip the best shot possible. Um, and yeah, and we turned it around in a couple of weeks and, and thanks to the team at CrowdCube for turning around so quickly as well. But yeah, that was, um, that was actually a, a really, uh, that was a very different one because that was also a very different narrative we've ever been out in the past of going like, uh, being quite transparent, and honest, and we're always honest and transparent with our shareholders, but being really transparent, and honest with them, uh, about the, the kind of the unknown in front of us. But luckily, obviously, Chip was fine, and we did really well. Um, we are our crowdfund, our, our crowdfund investors are hugely supportive, as they always are. Um, and yeah, and, and we got through it. And Chip went strength from strength to strength through the pandemic, which obviously not a lot of businesses have the luxury of doing. So, all in all, it was good. But yeah, that was definitely a, a weird, a weird situation. It's great to be in a position like that where you can actually go out to previous investors. I said. A community of, of 17,000 what what was the response like like or what did you expect to to hear back and because I'm sure you had you know a number in mind of 50% come back and say yeah they they'd be interested in investing especially during the lockdown that will go with this so what type of numbers were you expecting to hear back and what was the response yeah so I think I think we said we wanted to raise another million pounds um and that would be that would put us in a, a good uh, buffer position and and I think we, we basically did a Q&A with our investors. We did an email to our, our crowd investors and they came back to us really positive. And they said, like, no, we, we think Chip has a part to play in, in the world right now and we want to support you. Um, so, and yeah, and we, we ended up raising 2.5 million. So I, I think I think we, we it wasn't so much the case that we were, I mean, in our email whether we should do it. We knew we were going to do it, but we didn't know how much money we were going to raise. And it like like most crowdfunds i did it blew away my expectations of of how successful we were was the target a million yeah a million pounds yeah exactly and as you know i I don't need to tell you about when it comes to crowdfunding you need to have a certain amount um committed and and closed before it actually goes live how much did you did you manage to have committed before it went live so we're different from most startups who crowdfund in that we 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 generally don't have anything committed beforehand. 
Um, but we always kind of well, back ourselves, I guess, to a certain extent. We, we always know there's high demand. So we always do a pre-registration page and users can pre-register if they're interested. And to be perfectly honest, our pre-registration pages always get between 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 um, registrations. And so there's obviously quite clear demand. So I know a lot of start- startups make sure they have kind of like a, an anchor angel that's like supporting them and 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 uh, and, and su- like basically guarantee the check at the beginning of the crowdfund. But we've never, re- we had it in earlier rounds, we did that, but not in a, not in any recent round. We always know off the back of the pre-registrations for our users um, that we were in a relatively safe spot. That's kind of how we work anyway. I remember you telling me back in the interview that we did through Startup Van in 2019 that when money comes in, whenever you cl- uh, close a round of, of, of funding, the minute the money lands in your account, you need to know and you need to have the plans on exactly what you're going to spend that on over the next six to 12 months, whatever it might be. What was your plan for, for the, the 2.5 million? How were you spending that? Good question. Yeah. And I think that's actually a mistake I, I made early on in my chip career is um, kind of, you, you, and it's very easy to do for a, a founder. And I'll admit I was a relatively inexperienced founder is like I was, we raised 4 million quid and that's like an insane feeling. And so you're on top of the world. Um, and then you, and then suddenly you're like, okay, cool, bro. Right. Now we need to knuckle down and spend this money properly. And by that time, you've really kind of got your head in the game and the team's got their head in the game it's been um been maybe a month or so um which is obviously not ideal but now we're a lot more efficient at doing that we have a, a much tighter plan that comes into into play um kind of immediately as soon as the money's in the bank but for the 2.5 million um that was about yeah that was about getting getting us that was about growth during the pandemic um so the 2.5 million pounds is about taking chip to to more people frankly a lot a lot of it was marketing um during the pandemic and making sure that we could get in front of people like like i said earlier we knew that um we knew that chip had a real part to play in helping people save money um at the the end of the day during the pandemic people weren't spending anything so startups like monzo and revolut really struggled um because no one was spending any money no one was using their monzo card because they're not going out whereas chip people are at home saving money so we need to be in front of these people we need to give them the best solution the best customer experience possible so that's kind of where that money went to it it always generally splits out between 50 percent of going towards new features and 50 percent on marketing getting in front of more people Uh, and that's kind of that but obviously it was different with 2.5 million than it was for other crowdfunds because it was specifically about pandemic um but yeah it it worked out really well and we grew really really quickly um during the pandemic which was a relief you'd have measured and seen a lot of different um responses and attitudes towards saving and i'm sure you'd had a lot of customers that you know might have lost their jobs and needs to pull the the money out of savings Um, and i think i read in an article there before that you you saw that the holiday fund, which would have been one of the leading funds, um, ended up being the the safety net fund. So that overtook the holiday fund. And you also saw a lot of customers um, maybe pulling money out to support small businesses and uh, obviously in, invest in homeschooling equipment and also for any DIY projects. Was there was there any major trends that, that stuck out? Yeah, so it's a really good question. Um so yeah, before the pandemic, 
we generally had a lot of people that, as you said, set me up for holidays of a lifetime and, uh, and, and stuff like that. And that, yeah, really fell off a cliff. Um, and as you said, we have it in, in the app, we've got a goal section and the goal section is a really interesting data point into how society is feeling about the world at the moment. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and almost as soon, I think it was maybe February, March 2020, the safety net funds started really rocketing in, in terms of demand. Like people are setting up goals left, right and centre of safety net, safety net, safety net, which was honestly quite shocking to see. And that was one of the things internally that as a team we were like, holy shit, this is, this is actually, if people at this level of scale are, are worrying about their finances, this is quite scary, even like beyond for Chip, but just scary from a personal perspective, seeing all these people thinking they need, suddenly need safety net funds. Um, so that was definitely the biggest uh, trend and the most shocking one. I think I'm obviously a marketer. I think from a marketing perspective, our word of mouth growth really took off during the pandemic, which was, always, which was very strange to see and like obviously it's nice to see us a marketer right that's kind of what you dream of as a marketer um but seeing that really validated that we had kind of we were we were giving value to our customers at a time when they needed them when they really needed it when they really needed chip um and that was quite amazing to see and that that was quite inspirational actually knowing that okay well if our customers really need us and they need us now more than ever by hell or high water we are going to give them the best customer service we possibly can and that's kind of I guess the conversations we had internally, and yeah, I remember. I remember in just before lockdown, so it must be the end of February, twenty twenty, whatever. Having a uh, sit down as a marketing team in front of a whiteboard, having a really frank and transparent conversation with each other. It's like, listen, guys, we have a we have a duty now to get in front of people in a time when they need to save money, and we're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna absolutely smack it, and it was quite inspirational. Um, and it was very strange, but yeah, I think um, yeah, uh, like hopefully our customers still love us and they, they're still using chips so hopefully they got they got great service out of it how did you measure the the word of mouth did you have a referral program in place yeah so a bit about so we got we have a referral program in place um we have the last couple of years which has always been one of our biggest growth drivers actually i think about 50 percent of our growth to date has come from that so we've always been very reliant on our user base shouting out chip um, from the rooftops, which has always gone down very well, but also kind of our, our organic growth, um, which is obviously as a marketer's nightmare, organic growth, you never really know where it's coming from. But um, our, our organic growth kind of really shot up as well, just people who who were organically talking about Chip and, and just signing up. Um, but also, like, like being honest, we we pulled back on our, our paid marketing and our, our performance marketing during the beginning of the pandemic because we didn't really know what was going to happen. Um, so all the kind of CPAs on, on Facebook and all the ad platforms were shooting all over the place. So we, we kind of wanted to slow down a little bit, take take stock and figure out what's happening. So we kind of we slowed down on all our paid performance channels, um, but the level of customers kind of kept going up. So that was a pretty good indicator for us that organic growth was really taking off at that point. L- looking back now, do you think that was a good or a bad idea to pull back on the marketing? Um, and the reason I ask is I interviewed Kieran Hannan, who's the ex-CMO of Belkin, back in 2020, early 2020. And, you know, the, the trend was, uh, and we even found out through Startup found that our sponsors were were pulling back because no one knew what was happening. Um, but at the same time, the some of the CMOs out there were betting on, you need to be marketing now in, in a time uh, of, of lockdown and pandemic. Now, I know not many have gone through anything like this before, but do, it, looking back, 
I know hindsight is great, but looking back now, do you think that was the right thing to do or would you do that again if you could turn back time? Yeah, so I think looking back at it now, from a business perspective, I asked one of the co-founders at Chip, it made complete sense, right? And it enabled us to put ourselves in a good position and and just to to chill out the, the, the amount of money we're spending. From a marketing perspective, no, uh, we should have we should have pushed harder. Um, and I, I think I think if I purely was a CMO, and if I was purely focused on customer acquisition, I think we could have really rocketed our growth even faster if we had put more petrol on the fire and really accelerated our, our user growth of brand awareness. Um, because I think we had absolute perfect product market fit during that time of a time where no one was spending money, everyone wanted to save money. How do they save? Chip is the perfect solution for that. Uh, And I I think we could have capitalized that in a much more aggressive way. But obviously, it made sense to preserve the business and and, and there wouldn't have been any point like we, we, no one had any idea what was going on in, in the beginning of 2020, right? No, no one knew what this actually meant um, or, or what the, how the pandemic was going to play out. So I think, um, I think in hindsight, it was absolutely the right decision to make. But if I, if I was purely a marketer, I would have wanted to go harder. I think the, the brands that really did go hard on marketing have done incredibly well from growth during that. Because even like the the bids against your competitors on the ad platforms when all the competitors are stopping, you can go harder, sort of cheaper. Um, so even the economics of, of the ads are much better. So yeah, I, I would have loved to go harder is the answer, but I, I'm, 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 I'm a businessman. So I've got to, got to protect the business at the end of the day. Yeah, well, well, you live and you learn as as you go on. And like 2020 was a massive year for you um, and Chip. Like your user base grew to, uh, the numbers I have here is like 280,000. Um, savings grew to about 165 million in savings. And you tripled the size of, of the Chip team. You know, so in like even though you, you pulled back on, on your marketing, you still had massive growth. Um, and that kind of leads up to your 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 second crowdfunding that you did in September, which was ten point seven million. And yeah. with all of the crowdfundings that you've you've gone through, you seem to be breaking records every time every time you do one. Yeah, yeah, I know it is weird. I think like I'm. It's always a bit of an ongoing joke in the office, and um, my wife takes the piss out of me for this. Actually, that every time we go into a crowdfund, I'm I'm super negative about it. So like, so I like the last crowdfund we went, the, the, well, the ten point seven one went into. I said, okay, if we raise four million quid, I'll be delighted. Um, and then and then we smack it. And what was the target? Uh, I think yeah, I think like between four and five is probably the target. I th- I, yeah, it was. Yeah, I can't remember to be honest, but I think about between four and five. So we raised like ten point seven or something ridiculous like that. Um, and I'm like, generally the the general rule of thumb is whatever I say I'm happy with, we raise double that amount. So uh, so that's obviously a nice place to be in. But uh, but this is I feel <laughs> you like said it, this, 10. yeah, I know exactly. I, but I also feel like I'm going to jinx it. And I always say this. This is what stresses me out. Um, but yeah, I think. Um, like 2020 was an amazing, like amazing year, but a super surreal year. Like I remember getting to the end of it thinking like, holy fuck, I need a holiday because this is, it was just ridiculous. <laughs> um, and yeah, we, we grew the team. 
Um, and um, yeah, I, I think I think we grew the team. We got through the pandemic, which is like the main thing, to be perfectly honest. Uh, and we managed to give our users a great experience, um, a great user experience. And I think that was amazing. And I think the fact that we grew really well um, and raised all that money was the, the cherry on the, the cherry on the cake. Um, but yeah, it was a definitely a surreal time, super stressful. Yeah. <laughs> How did you manage um, tripling the size of the team? Because that's difficult enough, never mind a pandemic. And I, I take it the majority of the team were all hired w- remotely. Um, you have an office in London and I'm, I'm taking it, again, I don't know, but um, pre-pandemic, were the majority of the team in London and when you were hiring and growing through, through lockdown, did you decide to reach outside of London um, and hire talent outside of London or did you keep it keep it in in London a quick sponsor reminder if you're looking to fund growth without having to give away equity Uncapped solved this problem to find out more go to weareuncapped.com forward slash UKTN and to avail of a 10% discount off your fees use the code UKTN10 that's UKTN10 yeah uh, good question so yeah it's um so before the pandemic we had an office in Chancery Lane um, and we were basically all in the office. We had a very small remote team, about three people. Um, and before the pandemic, I think we were about 30, 40 people, something like that, 40 people mainly. Um, and then I guess the end of 2020, we jumped up to 80, I think. And then the end of 2021, we were about 130, something like that. So we kind of more or less doubled each year for the last two years. Um I think the one thing I'm, I'm actually most proud of in the last five, five plus years I've done chip for now is actually the fact that we have managed to scale that company culture with the team, even in, in, uh, even in, in terms of, in, in the face of kind of adversity and in the, in the face of um, having everyone having to suddenly work remotely, chips company culture is, is really nice. It's, it's, we, we always sum up that kind of we work very hard but we always take the piss out of ourselves. And that kind of makes a really nice company culture. It's people, nice. it's like people do massive uh, podcasts and, and essays on what makes a company culture. But I think if you work hard and everyone takes the piss out of each other, it generally makes quite a fun environment. Um, but for us, yeah, it was, um, it was a big shock. Um, it, was a, it was a big shock because we were, we were, we were working. I, I was always an advocate. That I hated working from home. So the pandemic was a massive shock for me. Like I, I'm quite an extroverted guy. I like being in the office, like bouncing ideas around each other, and that's where I get my energy from. And I think a lot of people are the same. But I think, um, I think, yeah, we've managed to strike that balance nicely now, where people come into the office a few days a week, they work from home a few days a week, uh, and they kind of they get they get the benefits of both both worlds there. Um, and yeah, now we've got we've got engineers and we've got teams scattered around the UK, scattered around Europe as well, and some even further in Europe. So it's um, it is it is amazing and uh it's uh yeah the, the chip team work incredibly hard and they're yeah it's, it's super inspirational um but uh but yeah long way to go i think like our ambitions always um our, our ambitions always massive at chip we want to be the savings fintech unicorn um and uh and to do that we're gonna have to have a team of a thousand people i'm sure so let's see if we can scale the culture even further that's kind of the objective at the moment do you do you think that you you'd have scaled it that way if it hadn't of been for lockdown? You know, because as I said, you were very London focused, and people in the yeah. office were. 
especially the growth that you saw during during the pandemic it just goes to prove that you know working remotely can work and does work yeah so i i i think had it been for the pandemic, we probably would have stayed in the office, I imagine. We would have tried to scale the team out in London. I don't see any reason why we wouldn't have, because both Simon and I are quite big advocates of getting in the office. Um, but, yeah, I think I, like, I put my hands up and say, like, I think we were probably wrong. I think you can have an amazing work culture and amazing productivity with people working from home, working remotely. And I think we proved that. So I think, I think had it been for the pandemic... If, it, if the pandemic hadn't existed, we would probably still be in the office and the company would, and the office would be much bigger and we're spending, spending much more money on a massive office but and probably much more money on, on, on talent as well. But now we've, we've struck a really nice balance between people working remotely, really effective. We have our 3.30 call on a Friday with the whole company and everyone, everyone gets stuck in and has a, uh, someone presents the company numbers and stuff and it's amazing it's kind of an amazing moment where everyone gets together as a company and the culture is really great. So yeah, I'm re- really happy with this at the moment. Um, and it's about maintaining it. I think that's going to be the challenge to be honest. You had mentioned earlier on that you had pulled back slightly on, on the marketing and now with the, the second crowdfunding, which was September of 2020, when you raised the, the 10.7 million, at what stage did you realize that you shouldn't have pulled back and you probably should have gone gone harder on marketing what did you realize that before you raised this this round of funding uh that's a good question really i think i to be honest i i I don't think we've ever internally acknowledged that as a mistake and i still don't think it was a mistake i don't think we I, i don't think we i i think we made absolutely right call of uh of of pulling back our marketing and and taking stop make, seeing what was going on with the pandemic how the world was going to turn out uh and then carrying on um i i wouldn't have changed that at all but being said there were massive growth opportunities that we could have taken advantage of if we had could have told the future but alas as good as marketing i am i can't tell the future so i think um i think i think it's, it's not the case of where i wouldn't have changed anything um, I think we made the right decisions, um, and I think Chip is in a really good place today. Full stop. Like, who knows where we would have been if we we hadn't taken different decisions? Um, so I I, I I think I'm I'm comfortable with that, and like very much at peace with that. Um, but I think um, yeah, I think I think to, to to some marketers, hats off to them for having I guess the balls to go. Now nah, this is gonna, this is the biggest economic crisis in a hundred years. I'm going to spend more money on advertising, like. I'm not. I wasn't brave enough to do that. I think that's that's a mad thing to do. So, fair play to the people who did it, I guess. But I'm not that person. Yeah. To to be honest with you, I I don't think there was many. Um, I'd be interested to hear what what did work for you because like you, you've raised a lot of money, and and that money needs to be used, and it needs to mm-hmm. it needs to you know you need especially when it comes to marketing, it needs to to do do its job. It needs to bring in new customers. What what worked for you and what, what is working for you? Um and where were you able to double down on or triple down on with, with the with the funding? Because it's just interesting as as a marketeer myself, um what what is working? What have you tried? What failed? But but, but again, on top of that, what really worked? Yeah. So yeah, God, a question I could talk about for hours, so I don't want to bore anyone listening. But um but yeah, it's it's um 
So I, I think for us, there's, there's two, two kind of, well, three cause ways I look at this, right? One is the product itself. And I think we, we invest massively in that. So we always know that we are only going to grow and be successful as a business fundamentally if the users love our service and they love our service enough to recommend it to friends. Um, and like the NPS score, net promoter score is the way we measure that. And that's a really important metric for us. And I thoroughly recommend any marketers um, listening to make sure they, they worship over that metric because that's certainly something I, I do a lot. Um, so I, th- I think that's the first piece. We, we invest in the product. And yes, in the past, we made some incorrect product decisions. But fundamentally, we do spend a lot of money on the product. And that's really important for us. The second piece is the pure acquisition bit. And that is kind of the, uh, I guess, the the Facebook ads and the the kind of affiliate partnerships and and all those things. And we've always had kind of pretty good results from that. Um and, uh, and yeah, we've got an amazing team who manage that now um, and we're really scaling that up. So I think that works. It's obviously a really fickle beast to get working. So especially especially kind of like paid Facebook, paid Google, it's very intimidating when you're sitting in front of kind of a board and you're spending like quite a lot of money um, and the CPAs are coming in high and how you can optimize them, stuff like that and all those complexities. So I, I think like there's, there's obviously that second bit, which is pure acquisition. And the third bit, I look at is is the brand awareness, right? And that is um and that is kind of our our TV ads and our out of home and our billboards and stuff like that. And that is something that we're only really dipping our toe in and started launching in the beginning of this year. Um, and we're seeing a massive impact on that from that. And I think that's something that that again is is really hard for a, a CMO to sit in front of a board and go, right, I'm gonna spend X amount of money, hundreds of thousands, millions of pounds, whatever. Um on something that's not attributable you're not going to know how impactful was that billboard it's yeah literally no way you are going to be able to tell and you need to you need uh, it's very hard for a cmo of a startup to sit in front of a board and have that conversation um but all you can tell them is that yeah just you've got to trust me and then like need to say afterwards their 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 minds are blown with the results which is nice um but the brand awareness when we launched our first tv campaign in, on boxing day our first out of home campaign our, well, our first proper out of home campaign on around the same time, January the fourth, I think it was, um, and the, all the other performance channels. I think that's the biggest thing. And the biggest takeaway is all the other performance channels operate so much better, so much better when you are running brand awareness campaigns. So the TV and the out of home, although you can't attribute it to how many customers you bring in, suddenly the Facebook ads start working better. Suddenly the YouTube ads are working much better. Suddenly all the partnerships are working way better. And uh, and that's largely because of the brand awareness. So as I said, I could talk about this for hours. So I've already started rambling on, I'm conscious of it. But I think for us, when we invest that kind of money, it is on the product. How can we, how can we give our users more value? How can we work on the product from NPS score perspective? Secondly, is how can we scale our, our kind of direct response acquisition, more partners, more affiliates, more paid channels unlocked, be it TikTok ads, be it influencers, all that stuff. And then the third piece is how can you scale brand awareness um, and we do that through TV and out of home. Um, and that's kind of the way I look at it, actually. Generally, with all my marketing, is the, those are the three prongs I try and take. And some businesses do really interesting ways of doing that, right? So like Monzo, I always find is a really interesting example that Monzo's brand awareness is actually the card itself, right? Because they're, they're very clever because every time someone gets out their orange pink coral whatever it's bloody called card, suddenly everyone's seeing it. And that's an amazing tool of brand awareness. They don't need out of home billboards because 
everyone's seen a bloody Monzo card about a hundred times when you're in a pub or something. Um, so I think that's really clever. So I, I think like I always try and focus around those three pillars and then I, I kind of chop and change my strategies flitting in, in between those three and trying to understand what works and what doesn't. But yeah, some channels are shit. Some channels are great. And I think it's, that's the exciting thing about being a marketer, trying to understand which one's good and which, which is not. Well, it's very interesting you there being, you know, super honest on, you know, not knowing the impact that something is going to have. And, you know, also you putting trust in what you've been told is going to work by by whoever selling the the TV ads, the radio ads, the billboards. Um, and it's also interesting to hear that on top of that, because brand awareness piece is is it's so difficult, as you said, to measure. But it has that knock knock on effect with, as you said, like your Facebook uh, ads, where people have seen the brand somewhere. It's yeah. built some sort of trust um, in the brand, and now when they see the ads, they click on it and they yeah. take action, um, which yeah. it has, has that massive knock on effect. Because yeah. I'll, I'll lead up to your to your final round that you did now in a second, but like twenty twenty one. Again, another massive year in growth for you guys. Your user base was up 60% to over 400,000 users. Growth of 500% in chip. I think you've saved to date. Now, these numbers could be wrong because this could be old. Um, You've saved, well, there's been savings of over 640 million. And that is really showing where the 10 point, uh, what was it? The 10.7 million went and what it brought in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think coming back to like my my three kind of ideas about where I, where where we how we scale marketing, right? The product, the acquisition and the brand awareness. I think twenty twenty one was actually about the product more than anything else. Um uh twenty twenty two is certainly different. Uh but twenty twenty one has been about how can we offer people an even better user experience? And we launched so many features, be it our, our investment products, and we partnered with BlackRock. Um, biggest investment manager in the world to launch um, a really amazing um, selection of uh, investment funds. Um, and then we, we launched our, our Chip X tier, which enabled people to get a stocks and shares ISA. Uh, and then we launched uh, the market's highest savings account. All of those things really compounded um, to help us really rocket user growth, but also rocket deposits. Like as you said there, the amount of money that people are saving with Chip has gone pretty nuclear. Um, and I think like like going back to when we really started the business about five years ago, we were that little auto savings app that, that screwed away people's money. Um, and we took a con- conscious decision in, in 2020 that we didn't want people to think about that anymore. We wanted people to see us as, no, we're the savings account of the future. Um, and to do that, we needed to change the perception with a, a serious set of feature sets that really gave people good returns great financial products um, and that's what we focused on in 20, 2021 was about how can we how can we give people the best savings account in the market how can we give them amazing investment funds um, and that resulted in really good user growth and deposit growth um, and now we're in a really good place with the products it was, it's amazing i love it <laughs> it's really good um uh, and uh, and now it's just something that's a pleasure to shout about so it's really good going to market with something that our, our NPS score is awesome. The users love it. And now we're just kind of trying to scale it, really. And that's kind of where we're at at the moment. That, that brings us up to like October 2021, where you did another crowdfunding campaign. You brought in 11.5 million. Again, you, you, you've smashed some targets out of the park here. Um, you, you brought in over, I think it was 12 or 13,000 investors. Uh, biggest 
uh, of all time on Crowdcube. Um, you close one million in under ten minutes. Um, I think it was about eight point six million in under forty eight hours. You know, so again, some 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 really aggressive numbers that y- you managed to smash out of the park. There, did did you with this round go out to your community again? Uh, because now you had an even bigger community from from the the two point seven million round you did. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we did. Um, and yeah, like I I guess again, it, it did completely blow away my expectations that round. I I remember really vividly. It was only a few months ago, saying um, internally to the team, like if we hit five million, I'll be absolutely delighted. We hit eleven million. Um, so it was uh, it was very surreal. But I think um, yeah, I, th- I think it's it's coming to the stage now where we're, where we're really considering where VCs and institutional investors fit within our journey. Um, like in the past, we're always like, yeah, VC, VC, we need to raise, like, we need to raise big institutional checks, but the, the, the crowd money gives us so many added benefits in terms of really loyal customer base, a customer base who shout about you from the rooftops, who w- want to support you, who who um, also like hold you to account in the same way any investor would, which is good and healthy. Um, but also they refer their friends as well. So it's a marketing channel. With it. It's incredible. So I think to us, we're, we're always looking at how we can onboard more crowd investors. And it, at the moment, it's kind of looking less about how much money we can raise from them and more about we just want more investors now. Because someone, it's always binary. Is someone being an investor or not is what I look at. Because if someone's in a, a chip investor, then suddenly they're super engaged with the business. And and then also, like, we all very strongly believe in our mission. We're all very confident in our mission. I want people to join that mission. I want people to, I want people to to share it in in that success that that we're seeing and that, that we will continue to see. Um, and like, we've we've had. I don't know if I should publish the numbers, but we've had uh, we've had two two incredible growth months this year so far, um, like the by far the biggest growth months we've ever had, and already we're having new customers say to us, "We want to become investors too. We want to become investors too." And we're like, "Oh, holy shit! Like, what do we do? This is kind of a weird thing where we've got people bite your arm off to join our investment journey." Um, but at the same time, like we've already got an investor community, so yeah. So trying to balance that's that's difficult, but um, but yeah, I think um, that's kind of where I see it. Obviously, raising eleven million pounds was an incredible, massive team effort, um, and thanks to the team at Crowdcube as well, because working with them was extraordinary in making this happen. It was very stressful because their their website. I think we crashed their website briefly for about twenty minutes, which was which is really, really stressful. It's like one of those things in hindsight, it was actually probably like a good thing because it showed how much demand there was. But for us in in the office, I think I wasn't in the office. I think I was actually going on holiday that day. I think I was on the train or something. I was like, oh God, so stressful. But anyway, it worked out. So it's fine. It, it just goes <laughs> to show the confidence in you now at this stage going on holidays on the first day of crowdfunding. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I know. I think... Yeah, admittedly, I, I, yeah, th- that was a rogue one. So I think uh, Simon still holds that against me, but whatever, it all worked. Maybe, maybe me going on holiday is actually the thing that meant we did so well. Who knows? I don't know. You, you've actually got the second largest um, shareholders community when it comes to uh, fintechs in the UK, and you've got one of the largest in in Europe. Are you able to tell? Out of the twenty three thousand that are that are shareholders, because you've got two communities. I'm taking out to look after. You've got your community of users, and you've got your community of, inv- of investors. How how do you how do you 
manage that community and engage with that community because there's so many companies now that are trying to build a community but they end up doing it the wrong way around and we built a massive community of, of founders through the startup van but we weren't selling anything to, to yeah, our yeah, community we were trying to create great content to deliver it to them and you and you see some really good brands coming out now leading the way with a gym shark for one you know they built an engaging community and it's kind of like service and product comes comes second but it's so important you've built a really uh, big community now as well but I, i'd be interested to hear how you how you manage the community do you obviously you separate them because there are users and there are founders or investors i should say um so how do you how do you engage with them yeah so we have people that work work with our investor community full-time um and i think i think that's always a really sensible investment for anyone who's done um, a crowdfund is to is to do that so we've we've hired a community manager his name's fred and he's sitting behind me somewhere um and he he is responsible for every single day working with our investors to make sure they are having their voice heard and uh and and that any any concerns or anything that they have or any ideas they have is fed through to the relevant people at chip um and he's also responsible for not only taking information from them but also feeding the information back to them in terms of what is going on, how can they help, all of those cool things. So we do have an amazing team that, that work with our community. I think really it's, it's just about, it's, it's a content marketing exercise really, right? It's about engaging with them as transparently as you can with the right content that they want to know. And they all lap up that content and they always do our investors love all the content we we throw at them be it q a's be it videos even this podcast i'm going to share it with them and they're going to bloody love it um uh, and all of those things are really important to get your community engaged and i think it's it's about it's about yeah it's about user engagement it's about content but it's about trying to trying to get the most out of them in, in a positive way i don't mean that kind of a cynical marketing way but in terms of like how can you unlock value out of them and out, out of that community in terms of feedback in terms of um in terms of kind of branding advice in terms of tapping into them as a product resource like for example we we yesterday we put a we have a facebook group called the chip investors um and there's about seven thousand people in that facebook group um and facebook's a great tool for it as well i don't think people should overcomplicate it with the tools they use just facebook groups work really well um and we put a post up saying here are two screens for two designs we're, we're thinking of. There's screen A, which shows the screen like that. Screen B shows the screen like that. Can you please vote and let us know your favorite? Within an hour and a half, we have 500 votes. We had 500 people who had taken time out to give us feedback and tell us which was their favorite. And yeah, we listened to them. And it was an amazing resource. And so we went, okay, well, clearly A, so let's go with A. And, and stuff like that is really powerful and adds so much value to the business. So that's the kind of way we, we look and we, un we unlock value out of them um and uh and yeah and uh, i think they're huge and i think they well i think they seem to love it like clearly from the crowdfunding they, they do so um yeah that's kind of the way we do it but i think the more more content you can do the, the better with the investor community yeah and you know you're, you're doing it the right way and this is where a lot of brands and, and business struggle with the the involvement and the engagement with with building a community and the transparency you know like telling them exactly what you're thinking what you're looking to do like you did with with going out to the investor community before you um you launched the the crowdfunding back at the beginning of the pandemic and lockdown and and i'm looking forward to to when you're allowed reveal more numbers in the future and we can get you on again um for, for another podcast 
I normally end the show with asking um, the founder that I'm interviewing what book has had the most impact on you as as a founder or a CMO in this in this case um, on on the business on chip. Good question. Very good question. Um, I think um, <clears throat> ugh, there's a, there's a book I love. And I don't know if it's a cliched answer to be honest, but it's a book called Shoe Dog, and it's you probably read it. It's by it's about it's by yeah, uh-huh. the the founder of Nike, and um and I think there's this one quote that I've um I I love from it, and it's actually I've got it on my computer screen. It's on a post it, and I scribbled it down about four years ago, whatever, and it's still on my. It's this horrible crinkled up post it note. Um, and my wife hates it because it makes my screen look horrible. Um, but the quote is, um, the cowards never started, the weak died along the way, and that leaves us. And I think those those few words are just insanely powerful and something that no matter what startup life throws at you, it sums it all up and how resilient you have to be. Um, and And the fact that even when you're having a crap day running a startup, you know that, no, you, you you started this, you're here, and a lot of people wouldn't have started that. That means you're already better than everyone else. And I think that's pretty inspirational. So I think I think it's less about um, kind of the operational side of the business or, or my, my role as CMO, but that quote, the cowards never started, the weak died along the way, that leaves us, is something that is definitely one of my favourite quotes of all time. And I took that from the book, Shoe Dog. Thank you for listening. Before you go, could you please take a moment to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast? I'd really appreciate the support. And remember, our sponsor, Uncapped, offer up to 5 million of capital for a flat fee. You pay back only as you generate sales. No dilution or loss of control. Apply online. Decision within 24 hours. Make monthly repayments that flex with your revenue. Head to weareuncapped.com forward slash UKTN to find out more. And to avail of a 10% discount off your fees, use the code UKTN10, that's UKTN10.